0: Hey and welcome to another episode of Ed Up Explained with me, Ashanti Martin. Today, I am bringing you a conversation with me and Elizabeth Lyba. Elizabeth Lyba is also known as Liz and she is in my estimation one of LinkedIn's foremost content creators. She has a vast amount of experience in education as a professor an instructional designer and just an all-around subject matter expert. And she is bringing her talents to LinkedIn and beyond through the Black History and Culture Academy. Uh, Go to blackhistoryandcultureacademy.com and find many, many courses. She's always updating with the newest and most interesting and fun knowledge about Black History and Culture here in America and beyond. Um, is also i want to say congratulations to liz because after we recorded this episode i i learned that there is a scholarship in her name at spelman university and uh i'm just really happy to to honor that recognition in everything that she has done and the massive amount of impact she's gonna have in the future so thanks for listening here's me and liz Liz, welcome. I am I'm so, it's so good to talk to you. So, so how are you doing? How are you doing?
1: I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. So yeah, let's, let's do it. All right. So
0: what I want, so one of the things that I am almost every day in awe of is that when I pitched this article, I had no idea really what it would become, or even that I would still be talking about it almost every day here in march 2021 but here we are so are people still talking to you what what where where how where are you now compared to october like the day before it dropped
1: that's such a good question i always say this but meeting you and talking to you did change my life and i same stand here, by that same Z. <laughs> Z's because you know what? I, up until the article, I had been really vocal. I was very active on LinkedIn up until that point. Um, right, right before um, that point, and through the beginning of that year, right after George Floyd was killed, I just felt like I had to keep being really vocal. And then once the article came out, I think that that skyrocketed. I, I really had the confidence to feel as though it validated everything that I was doing. To feel as though it did make sense and it, it was the best thing and the right thing to do to keep being vocal so that's really where I've been at I've been just committed to the idea of of using my voice and, and using the platform that I have in a meaningful way in a, in a way that helps other people and amplifies other voices so yeah. yeah people still talk about the article almost every day somebody brings it up so it's it's um it's it's really
0: it's wild and one of the things that we were just talking about how we have a lot in common, um, and one of the things we have in common is that, you know, we both have families, we're married, and we have full-time jobs, so the, the activity that people see from you and from me on LinkedIn is really just extra, you know? Can you talk about, like, how you're motivated to do the things that you're doing outside of, you know, kind of the everyday life and why, why you keep going?
1: That's such a good question. I think that for me, it just became almost like a mission to use my, like like Superman's dad said, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And I feel as though as an educator for the past, I've been in education for like 20 years and I always have felt like you have a unique opportunity to affect the course of young people's lives. So going on to LinkedIn, being on social media, having the ability to talk about social justice, to talk about inequity, to pose questions, to, to start to raise the level of discourse about some of the injustices that were happening across the country and still continue to happen. I felt as though you know it was just something that I had to do. I tell my students kind of like what John Lewis said, which is if you see something, you should say something and do something. And I just felt like I had to live that. I couldn't just talk about it in the classroom. I actually had to put it into practice and, and that's what keeps me going. I wanna see a better life with my children. I wanna see a better life for my grandchildren. And, and I wanna live a better life myself. I wanna be in a country where I don't feel scared to go for a jog in my neighborhood. Yep. Or I don't worry about being pulled over by the police. Or I don't think about just the fact that I may not have an opportunity to get fair wages on my job or have an opportunity to get a promotion because people just don't see any kind of possibility or viability in, in keeping me and in nurturing me and helping me to grow in my career. So there's, there's so many things that I think just keep pushing me. Last year, this time, I was not thinking about that stuff. I was just like, well, it just is what it is. And I think yep. that collectively, the Black community after George Floyd was killed, we just said, no, we we can't accept this anymore. And And I think me raising my voice is just my part in just keeping that momentum going Of We have to question things that we've never questioned before. Yeah, I think,
0: you know, again, one of the things we have in common is, you know, we're both Gen Xers, right? And for me, and maybe it was because I was younger, but I always felt like growing up, you know, you look to your black leadership. So when I was younger, it was Jesse Jackson. It was um, Al Sharpton it was, um, you know, Julian Bond, um, all, all sorts of different leaders um, from different places and perspectives. But now, how do you view it as I just see a lot of people just taking up their energy and space and like being leaders in their own way? Um, how does that motivate you? And then also, as a Gen Xer, talk about your embrace of social media too, because I know that's a big a big thing, really embrace it. And I just, I love to see that,
1: so. Yeah, that's a, that's another good question. I think it's true with Gen X, we were just a very different generation. I think we were really self-motivated. A lot of us have parents that, you know, for me, my parents were working all the time. I was kind of responsible for my younger brothers. I, I was working at a young age. Like I left the house and went to college like at 17. I've always been pretty independent and pretty responsible. And I think that that carries over into also just wanting to be really self-directed. And and one thing that I love about watching the next generation with Gen Zs is that for them, anything is possible and they don't, they're not constrained by like societal norms. Mm-hmm. And I think for Gen Xers, we were taught, you know, do what you're told, go to school, do the right thing, work hard. And I think a lot of us are now getting to this age where we're like, feeling a little bit like disenchanted by that almost like okay I was told if I went to college if I did the right thing if I played by the rules everything would turn out fine and we're looking around the country we look at the COVID response we look at the social injustice happening we look at student loan debt is crushing and the inflation rate is going up and and wages are not going up and there's no safety net so some of us are looking at in 20 years when we retire what's Mm going to be there for us if we haven't been able to save and We don't really know what the future looks like. So I think for a lot of us, we're just starting to reimagine what our place looks like in the world. And we were probably the original generation that did get on the internet. Like our our kids now are growing up with internet in their hands and and phones and and having access to all these different platforms. But I think for us, it was like MySpace was just coming out and all these different platforms we were on Yahoo Messenger or all these different, um methods of being able to talk to people and, and I, I remember having dial up internet were you where on where like, you on friendster did you have a I friendster i was on friendster i was on okay. friendster i was on i think every every platform that would come out i would just go on there and take a look and see who i would talk to and it was also new i, I would download music from napster anything that i could do on the internet i would do it and i think no. that embrace of social media has been one of the things about our generation that's very unique in that we didn't have it and then we kind of grew up and grew into it and I think it made us more like apt to try some of these different platforms and and we're out there on LinkedIn we're out there on Facebook we're on Instagram and we're 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 wanting to connect it and we have that sense of being able to create community online
0: yeah Yeah. so Yeah, yeah I think that's a big um differentiator, you know, a lot of the the writing and the thinking that I do is about how different communities and, you know, for me being a, you know, my I have many identities, I guess, but my identity as a Black woman in America right now is just particularly salient, you know, so just observing how we use those platforms to create community and then, you know, where, where we go from there. Um, <clears throat> so one of the questions, you know, the main question in the article Um, I didn't come up with the headline, but whoever did, I think did a pretty good job was is Black LinkedIn is thriving. So I think we have seen now a few months out, um, people asking a question, is Black LinkedIn thriving? So what are your thoughts on kind of what you're seeing, both from your personal experience and just different connections you've made?
1: Yeah. And I think when, when I think about thriving, I think about that sense of community we just talked about. Mm -hmm. So for me, there is the now, that idea that, hey, you know, we're not just, you know, on our own. We're not just here in our own little world. We can connect with other Black folk, not only in our community, like we would if we go to a networking event, but I can meet Black people, Black professionals from all over the country, sometimes all over the the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've been on panels with black women in Europe that we had um, a, a, a panel about a discussion about black women and how we navigate predominantly white spaces. And, and some of the women were from France, from the Netherlands, from Belgium, from other place, from Spain. So I, I feel as though what LinkedIn has done in the sense of the black professional is it's made the world smaller for us. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been on panels with um, uh, black professionals in Africa that are trying to make connections and and create this global sense of community. So I I definitely feel that it's thriving in the sense that we've realized that we're not alone. I think sometimes here in in America, and I, I say this as well because I'm from UK, originally is we do get a sense of you know, we're kind of in it alone and everybody else, Black folk around the globe are kind of going through a different experience than what we have with police brutality or some of the things, uh, injustices that we see, we just don't necessarily feel as though other people can relate to that. And I think that what LinkedIn has done is provided a perspective that a lot of Black folk, even though our struggles may be different, our joy is different, our upbringing is different, we, Ill, we are still a part of the Black diaspora, the African diaspora, and, and we are able to, to support each other, yep. you know? Yep. So that, I have met important.
0: so many people and learned about the Black experience, particularly in Canada and in the UK, more than um, more than I was ever aware. I knew that there were parallels, but there are really just some things that are universal. Um, and that has been, Canada really has a strong representation on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. it, it, you know, I often think about Canada as, you know, those people up there, but um, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, Canadians, and people from the UK are those people over there, so (laughs) you're from over there, but, um, you know, it has me thinking a lot more about what other parts of Black history outside of the U.S. do I not know about, or can I learn more about, Um, and I would say Canada in particular is an area that I might Ends up just you know going on a deep dive on Wikipedia and losing hours and being like okay now I didn't I didn't do X Y Z in my life but I know a lot about you know African Canadian history so so it has been it's it has been very world expanding um, so I guess the last question before we both go onto our busy lives that I have for you is. Um, you know, what's, what's next? What are you doing in 2021? What's, what's your, your commitment to yourself in 2021? Cause 2021 yeah. is, is, is going to be a big year, I think.
1: I think so too. And I've been thinking about this a lot. So it's, it's interesting that you ask this question. Um, one of the things I thought about was that last year was a voice finding year. Last year was me navigating just this newfound ability to be really transparent and really vocal about the things that I was experiencing as a black woman. And one thing that I've told a lot of people that I have communicated with and collaborated with on LinkedIn is this year is the year for action. So I found that I got a lot of support from just being very vocal and and people uh, feeling aligned with a lot of the things that I was talking about last year and then this year I said, well, all these people that are mobilizing and all these people that uh, are, are supporting me, what do we do with all these voices? You know, After interviewing so many college presidents and talking to so many powerful people that are leaders within their organizations and speaking with people that want to make a change and want to make a difference, how do we actually make a meaningful and measurable change for society? So that was where the Black History and Culture Academy came in. That was where really, drilling down with the end experience with the podcast in making sure that we were highlighting voices from HBCUs, making sure that we were being really intentional about amplifying voices of uh, those that don't necessarily always have their missions um, really focused on and amplified in the general public. That was how we came up with the idea of looking at some more meaningful ways to really utilize some of our um, collective um, networking that we've done throughout some of these spaces, whether it be through internships or mentorships or scholarships, finding ways, what are the practical ways that we can actually provide impact in our communities? And I think that's really where I'm at for 2021. I want to be able to use what I have in terms of my ability to to create um, those connections and collaborations I want to just continue to encourage those that do want to see better to use our voices to actually create kind of uh, the connecting of the dots where it comes to those people that have the resources and those people that don't have the resources. So that would be my goal for 2021, connecting and, and creating meaningful change in a way that actually helps people and changes people's lives.
0: I love it. So I do have, I lied. I have- one last question for you is will you come back onto my show with me?
1: Of course. Okay. I will come back anytime you want me to.
0: I just want to make sure. And so just to reassure other listeners that we're gonna have more conversations because um, you know, I'm I'm I get a lot from hearing when you say that I changed your life, but you have changed my life as well. So um, you know, I, I just I, I think that I am fortunate to be able to um, elevate your voice as I feel that you do mine. So, and I definitely want to talk more in depth about the Black History and Culture Academy because I know that you're always introducing new courses. Like, it just seems like every time there's a new headline, you know, you're like, oh, I got a course about this. I got a course about this. Um, so, so, I definitely want to dive deeper into that next time. Absolutely. Okay. I would love to. Thanks, Liz. That's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of EdUp Explained. You can learn more about the entire EdUp Experience Network at edupexperience.com. Join the mailing list. Go on to Apple Podcasts. Give me my first review. Uh, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it and subscribe to Ed Up Explained wherever you listen to your podcast to catch the next episode when it comes out. Happy learning, and this is Ashanti Martin. Peace.